Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have with me Karen Abrams, and we are going to be discussing motherhood and intimacy. Let me tell you a little bit about Karen before we get started. Um, Karen Abrams is a UCLA-educated master theta healer, relationship expert, entrepreneur, and gifted intuitive. She works with professional women to transform their subconscious beliefs and self-sabotaging behaviors to create new habits, mindsets, and actions that bring about personal and financial fulfillment. Karen is dedicated to helping women break free from living in survival mode so they can bring about fulfilled, healthy, and balanced lives. She's known for integrating her energetic work with practical tools to bring about powerful results. Her work as a teacher, entrepreneur, and musician give her the unique ability to understand the issues professionals and artists encounter. As a wife, mother, and daughter, she's acutely aware of the pressures women face in the sandwich generation, navigating their romantic, parental, and child-rearing relationships. So she is well-equipped for this conversation, and I want to give her a warm welcome to the show today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here today. Yeah. It's fun. Very excited to have you. (laughs) So before we dive into this um, very close to my heart topic right now, will you please tell our listeners what your superpowers are? Well, I will if you promise not to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't make that promise. <laughs> oh, I heard you're a good secret keeper. Um, <laughs> so my superpower is to identify the root causes of your deepest issues and help you heal them so you can live a more fulfilled life now. So when we're talking about motherhood and intimacy, obviously it's something that's close to both of our hearts. You know, my work is going to heal the core issues that are preventing intimacy with your partner. So you can, you know, once again, enjoy that healthy, emotional and, you know, sensual connection with each other. So let's talk about this for a moment. From, from your understanding, what do you see as some of the most common root causes that prevent us once we become mothers from, from really re-engaging fully um, in intimacy with our partners or falling out of that pattern with our partners? Well, that's one of those, you know, the joke where they say, I just have a few things to say and the whole, you know, the whole scroll rolls down to the ground. Yeah, all right. I'll <laughs> we'll just give you the top few. Um, you know, exhaustion is a very big deal. Um, when you're, uh, when you have a child, as you know, um, and when you're going there, essentially, there's a few things that are going on. And one is that, that there's exhaustion um, when you have a baby. Um, uh, women's body image changes. Um, and their fundamental identities with their partner uh, change from being lovers to being teammates and roommates. And so that space that they created to... Um, you know, to, for, for each other, they got them to the point of getting pregnant in the first place, right? Um, was like, God, I love you so much. And I know so much about you. And, and that space that you had for that is now taken up with 
different conversations of, uh, did the baby poop in her diaper? Um, who's going to take uh, so-and-so to the school? And I've got to go to the grocery store. So everything goes from sort of romantic place to a utilitarian place mm-hmm. for a very, very good reason. Um, and, and we have to, our love has to be strong enough to, to take that because all the research, you know, that's been out in the last few decades says that when we have children, our relationship with our partner is the one that takes the hit. So we've just got to be able to know that. And for women, and I'm sure you you felt this too, and I know I have, um, which is um, we, you know, there's a sadness then, right? We lose, we gain something else, but we lose something. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and so we miss that connection and that warmth and that sensual connection that we had with our partner that was just a part of our, you know, our just our normal interactions with them. And for women, a lot of times, they then they feel guilty. You know, like, oh, I can't be there, you know, if, if my partner is a man, I can't be there for my husband. And um, and I know this is the way, you know, men love to connect this way with the woman that they love. And, um, and you know, other women do too. And so, you know, you feel like you're not being able to do that and provide that. So that adds like another layer of, of guilt onto this. And then whatever your partner's doing to try to either compensate for that, meaning, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to mention it, you know, she's going through enough already and, um, and I don't want to feel like I'm a burden on her. And then, and then, you know, maybe you're feeling like, uh, God, if I have to give one more thing to another person, I think I'm going to flip out, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> from just that, like we said, that exhaustion where you get to that line. I used to get, I, my t- my special time where I lost my personality was 8 p.m. And when I first had my baby, I love right? I love how you frame that when I yeah, lost it, my personality. Right? I just lost it, and I would just say I would, and and I have a female partner. I'm, uh, I'm married, and we've been together for 18 years. And and um, at that point, I would say, you know what, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Just know that who you're talking to is someone who's already done. Yeah. <laughs> and and she got it. And, and she was able to, you know, um, support me through those times. Um, but, you know, you've got to be able to also just, you know, be able to let go and let somebody take care of you, you know? Yeah. And I, I want to go back to something that you said about sort of the identity shift. Um, yeah. And because I think that, at least I know for me and my experience of it, there there wasn't just... Um, and, and this is especially like becoming a mom for the first time. I think yeah. um, subsequent children, you're kind of, you're already in that identity of motherhood. So it's not as big of a deal, but that transition from no yeah. babies to all of a sudden being a parent is a really huge one. And, and I think, you know, in our culture, a lot of women are having babies later in life. They, they have established careers um, and sort of identities in the world. And they're used to a certain level of freedom that, um, that comes with that. And I know for myself, when I became a mom and I wasn't, I I actually, I was 29 when my daughter was born. So I wasn't as, as old as some women are who are becoming first time mothers nowadays. But, um, but even still there was this huge thing that I had to navigate and that I had to work through around like, holy shit, who am I now? And how do I, relate to the world and really kind of actually grieving the loss of this autonomous Mm -hmm. free person that I used to be 
who now all of a sudden has a dependent who is very dependent. Um, and, and then you throw a partner who wants to have sex with you in the mix and it's like even more dependency. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a lot. It was a lot. It is a lot. And, you know, one in four American marriages are sexless. And it makes so much sense when you're going through what you're going through, you know, with all of these new adjustments and all of this new, you know, these new identities. And I think the funny thing that what you're talking about, the autonomy was that you didn't even realize how free you were. Right. Oh my gosh. I look at, I look at people with no children now and I'm like, you don't even realize how much free time you have. Like when someone who doesn't have a kid tells me that they're too busy for X for anything, I'm like, you have no idea what busy means. Like you, you do not realize how much free time you have. You really don't. Yeah. We're all caught up in wherever we're at, you know, with our schedules and we fill it up to the brim, whether we're single and no kids and no relationship or in one. Yeah. The, it, uh, it all gets filled up by something. The list always seems to go down to the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we have a lot to cover. Um, I really want to talk about, you know, something you mentioned about body image. Cause I think that's a, that's a really big one um, mm-hmm. for, for, uh, for most moms. Um, but we do need to take a quick break. So before we, so we're, we're going to, we're going to dive into that when we get back from the break. Before we go to break, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Sure. Well, you can go to my website, which is thinktheta.com, which is T-H-I-N-K-T-H-E-T-A.com. And so that's a great place to be able to connect with me and find out what's going on. I am offering to your listeners a special for purchasing two 30-minute sessions from me. Normally, I charge $250, but if they mention your show, Sex, Love, and Superpowers, and they mention that to me, they can purchase it for $175, which is you know, a great investment if you're working on you know, saving your marriage. <laughs> but I also have a free gift for everybody else who wants to experience just who I am, what I have to offer, and it's an evening meditation called Healthy Intimacy which is an MP3 that is geared to create just a more loving and connected relationship with yourself and your partner. And I will just give you one little tidbit of info on how to get the most out of that. It's really brief. It's like a six minute thing. If you listen to it before you go to bed, we already know that whatever's in your brain, whatever you are exposed to right before you go to sleep, marinates in your subconscious for the entire night. So if you want that connectedness and that loving energy in your space for eight hours, that's the best time to listen. Beautiful. So we'll um, make sure that the the link is up on the site and available to all of you. Um, So stay tuned. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to dive even deeper. So don't go anywhere. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. 
We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. Okay, we're back. So um, before the break, we were about to dive into body image. And I realized also for our listeners, like there might be some people listening to this who have no idea what theta healing is and how that can impact this. So maybe we should backtrack a little bit and talk about that too, um, just to, to sort of fill people in on like, on a little bit of a deeper understanding of what you're doing and, and let's use body image as an example. So, you know, like we said, body image is a huge thing that um, I think the majority of women who become mothers deal with because our bodies change so dramatically. Um, And the belly is such a sensitive area and we have so much stuff around it and it changes and it gets Mm -hmm. floppy and it gets stretched out and it gets marks on it. Um, so how do you support women in working through the stuff that can come up around their bodies postpartum? Well, first of all, Theta Healing is a simple meditation where you connect to your inner wisdom and at the same time you're connecting to your subconscious mind so that you can identify and change those damaging beliefs that are at the bottom, like the I'm nothing, I'm worthless. This one would be I'm unlovable, right? I'm unattractive when we're talking about body image. And you're able to go in there and then also access all the trapped emotions that you've held onto your whole life and beyond that. And, And so let's say you have I'm unattractive because, honey, after having a baby and not sleeping and not taking a shower, you know, we can look in the mirror and get proof. You know, we're like, ooh, I look like hell, right? <laughs> You've earned it. It's okay. You know, but it can connect to that I'm unlovable, I'm unattractive, and all of those things start working so that you are uh, then creating a reality that may not actually be what's going on. So in Theta, when you get to that place and you access your subconscious mind, you're, you're, we kind of unlock this incredible um, safe where the secret is, is that your mind, we can pull out the secret of, you know, your mind now can actually talk to your body and get it to do some really remarkable things. And what it can get it to do is, and only with your, you know, consent is let go of these trapped emotions. You've got trauma in there. You've got uh, resentment in there. You've got self-hatred in there. You've got a lot of stuff. You've had a lifetime before you had a kid. And um, you can go in there and be able to release those negative emotions, those you know harmful things, and replace it with love and compassion. And when you're able to do that, you're also able to gain a deeply loving perspective on what's really going on. Like, no, honey, yeah, you know, you may look like shit right now, but you earned it, girl. Be happy about that. You are lovable. You did the most amazing thing you could possibly do with your body. Or if you adopted a baby, you know, you've done the most amazing thing you can do. You brought a baby into your life. 
that is remarkable. And yeah, and it's kind of like right? it's like battle scars, you know, like right. like <laughs> there are some people who are really proud of their battle scars, and mm-hmm. and wouldn't it be amazing if we could look in the mirror and you know say, look, this is what motherhood looks like and and instead of even saying like it looks like shit like this is this is just a different version of of reality this is another truth and it's beautiful in lots of other ways that maybe i'm not seeing with my eyes right now but mm-hmm. th- like it's it's proof that right. i'm working it yeah you're right exactly it's the most beautiful work you could be doing I remember my midwifery teacher, um, back when I was studying midwifery, she used to say, when I go into a woman's house postpartum, I'm actually concerned if it's like spotlessly clean because it means that the baby is getting neglected. Mm -hmm. And if I go into a mom's house post, unless she has house cleaners and things, Right. right. Um, but if I go into a mom's house postpartum and there's a sink full of dishes and there's stuff all over the floor, but she's there playing with her child, then I feel relief because I know that the child is being cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bless this mess, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I had my doula, who was a very close family friend of ours, she helped us like create those stations, you know, the diaper stations mm-hmm. in different parts of the house so that wherever you were, you could get to what you needed. But that meant that there were diapers all over the house <laughs> right. and, and definitely dirty dishes and, and um, dirty clothing. So I do remember all of that. And we still do have dirty dishes and dirty clothing around. So I'm not sure we got too much better. But I feel like laundry is just like purgatory like it's yeah, never yeah. ending my husband the other day he was like oh the laundry's done I was like no it's not <laughs> the laundry is never done no it's never done it'll never be done don't worry <laughs> your work will never be done yeah yeah but so so you're so you're going in there and you're rewriting these these stories essentially mm-hmm. yeah um, right we're rewriting these stories and you're saying you know, um, especially the ones like you're saying, I'm a, what, what we're talking about, like I'm unlovable, I'm unattractive, right? Because I'm unattractive is really the gateway to I'm unlovable. And so you can come in here and get the most loving perspective, which is that you you are love, you know, and, and you're able to go in there and shift those beliefs that you you had from, uh, from when you grew up. And um, and this work, uh, Theta Healing, actually works on four different levels, which are, which is the uh, core level, which is everything from this lifetime, the genetic level. So all of your ancestors, all their feelings, and we even know this through epigenetics now, mm-hmm. you're being able to see there's markers for, for your ancestral, your ancestors' experiences. So trauma gets passed down from generation to generation. Right. And so, uh, so you're affected by that. Um, and then the history level, which is our past life level and our collective consciousness. And then the soul level is the one that's the deepest part of all of those. And so when you're really able to go in and access and shift beliefs and, and release all those trapped emotions and gain these new understandings on four different levels, you're really getting in there about as deep as you can get. And, but I also like to say that, you know, this is deep work, but it's not hard work. It's actually the lightest 
form um, healing and uh, that I know of because uh, it's, or the lightest form of, let me put it to you this way, lightest form of letting go that I know of. You don't have to go, wow, this reminds me of when I got hit by a bus, right? And then we've got to visit the corner where you're hit by the bus and you have to lay on the ground and go, oh my God, it was right here and this is so horrible for you to let go of it. It's really going, okay, well, I get hit by a bus by my parents, you know, since everything kind of relates back to them in a lot of ways. And you say, okay, they didn't make me feel loved. And so, but that's energy that's been trapped. So why don't I learn what I need to learn about going through that? And then um, from my inner wisdom, from this pure loving place, and then I can go, well, let's let go of that resentment and that bitterness and that pain and then receive that love and compassion in its place. And all of a sudden, you can be grateful for that experience and go, you know what, it happened, but you can actually let go of it and move on. So you can say to yourself as the woman, as the mom who thinks she's unlovable, finally you're like, oh, no, I am lovable. And, and this came out of a place of great love. And, and my partner does love me. And I'm just tired. And maybe my partner is too. So maybe, you know, he or she isn't, you know, in the best mood either, right? <laughs> and you stop trying to look through every look through that lens that you created that that stacks everything up in that negative way for yourself, that just creates a chasm that just grows between the two of you when it's, you know, silently, um, just only silently acknowledged. It allows you this place of going, wow, well, I could actually talk about this with my partner. You know, I could actually um, find out what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what's going on. And, and we can at least go from there. You just start making better decisions and healthier decisions about all that stuff. And, you know, why can't you go to your partner and say, you know, God, I feel so bad about myself right now. I feel like I look like shit and I'm, I'm angry and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm grumpy and I can't even believe you love me anymore, you know? And then your partner can say, oh, you're being silly and that's okay. Um, I thought the same thing that you thought about me, you know? <laughs> you have somewhere to go when, when you're able to heal the stuff at the deepest level and somewhere beautiful to go. And that's... The beauty of all this, I would like to say, is just that you can have more intimacy from wherever you're at right now. You can have more, and it's possible, and it's not so difficult. It's pretty easy. So let's talk about something that happens a lot. I mean, when you, when you push a baby out of your vagina, it takes a while to want to put anything into it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, and, and, it, and there's, and that's different for every woman, right? Depending mm -hmm. on, you know, if you tore during birth, if you, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of traumatic or empowering experience you had, how quickly you, you know, how much rest you give yourself right afterwards. So how quickly you heal. Um, but then there's this like, okay, there's going to be a first time again yep. afterwards. Mm -hmm. I, I love to hear you talk a little bit about that. Well, if you're talking about a, um, a couple, a heterosexual couple, then, you know, men, and, and I don't disclude women from this, but we'll just talk about men. Um, when they're in love with you, they want to connect with you physically and emotionally. And this, and, and sex is a way that they want to connect. Also, that's a very emotional thing for them also. And, um, and so 
you, you've got this thing where they want to connect and they're feeling disconnected and then you would like to connect, but you're too tired to connect. And then, like you said, there's physical pain here. So you, you have to come here and, and say, you got to create a really healthy boundary here for yourself and say, uh, I'm not ready yet. And I realize it's been six weeks or it's been eight weeks, but I'm really in, I'm still in pain because I had that tearing too. It's so easy for that to happen, especially on your first child. And, um, and that takes a while for that to, um, to fix. Yeah. And, and you, and you know that when, for all the moms out there who's had a child, when, you know, the first time you, you uh, pee after you have had a baby. Or like, poop. Oh, first poop is like terrifying. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the first time, you know, this area that's been used for that forever, um, you know, it stings and it hurts. And so the thought of somebody, you know, it's like, get that thing away from me, yeah. you know, um, putting something in there. So when, um, but what you can initiate is, um, an understanding for your partner and um, in a way that you can still be intimate together that may not involve intercourse right away. Yeah, there's and, lots of ways to play. Right, right. So so really, those are the kinds of places that you need to really communicate with your partner about and say, hey, I really, that's, that's not on the menu right now still. I'm still, and I don't want to be in pain. And so... Um, and, and usually your, your partners will, uh, will oblige you knowing that there are other ways that we can, um, skin the cat as it were. Yeah. And the, I, and I think, you know, this, this becomes such a tricky mm-hmm. place to navigate for a lot of women, because I think there is absolutely, there is a natural healing period. I mean, I think it took me three months to want to have intercourse with my husband again before we even tried. Um, and it was horribly painful. And I think it was, was like another month or so after the first time, mm-hmm. um, because it was just, it was just too much. Cause I did, I tore pretty badly with my, with my first child. And then, but there was also this period and I, and I've, I've seen this in other moms too, where it's like, maybe you are ready to actually have intercourse again but there's almost like a, I don't want to say it's a power play because I don't think that that's, I don't think it's always a conscious or very rarely, if ever a conscious mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. but there is sort of this belief that, that gets set up, especially because we're so physically exhausted. Right. Yeah. Um, and I talked about this a little bit when I had, I had Vanessa Marin on my show recently and, 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 and there's the, it's like this, idea of of making love with my partner is going to take energy from me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I think one of the biggest shifts that we can make as moms postpartum is to remember that being intimate with our partner actually is nourishing for us Mm -hmm. too and if we can remember that um, I think it can really really help ease that transition period and that and and to know that like this is going to be a journey and a process and it doesn't mean that like we're going right into orgasms you know but um but that we that it's okay to explore intimacy and to just be open to saying yes to it 
um, and trusting that it's not going to rob me of anything. Right. And, and I generally know what, what you're talking about because you feel like your tank gets emptied every day. Oh my God. I mean, I remember being so touched out with my daughter. It was like, yeah. mm-hmm. I have been being touched all day. Don't you even think about trying to touch me right now? Mm-hmm. Like in any yeah. way, like I can't, I'm, my nervous system is tapped. I can't handle touch at this moment. Right. Yeah. There, there, there's that feeling of just being tapped because, and there's also, like you said, the, the exhaustion of, you know, many people have that three hours on three hours off. Um, or every or every two hours, we don't know. Um, and so you wake up tired. So you're always you're always half empty. And because you know, tired people are much more pessimistic. They're much less hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you tend to kind of you know get into a very uh, uh, short tempered place. And, and, and so you, like you said, you don't want, you know, if you're breastfeeding, then there's that other thing, right? So someone's already, you know, pulling out nutrients from my body and I've got to do that, you know, five or six times or maybe even seven times a day. And, and then you want to go there, you know? And so, um, so in, in theta, what I would do is, is really, first of all, help the woman really let go of um, let themselves off the hook that is okay and give themselves permission to be where they're at. Because when we don't acknowledge, accept and allow that that's how we feel, even if we think, even if we have a judgment about it, um, then it can never go anywhere because that judgment just shoves you right into a corner and you can't go anywhere with it. So when you acknowledge, accept and allow that, okay, I feel this way. I don't want him to come near me. And then, like you said, bring in, uh, find out what are the beliefs about being sexually intimate again um, and being able to get into that deepest place in your subconscious and go help shift that. So it's like, oh, this actually might make you feel better. And there's a possibility that it will if you allow yourself to enjoy this now. And so that would really be where we would start to go together in Theta so that so that you can explore that and um, and bring that back in, and you know, you, there is always going to be a first time, and you get to um, communicate that with your partner. Of like you said, it was too painful; I couldn't do it, so we did it, and then we it was like, mm, I got to wait a while, and he survived. You know, he told and, well, and I think that's actually something I feel like what is just so clear to me. Um, in this conversation is how I think it would be so helpful for all of us to just shift our expectations a little bit of what's going to happen in the postpartum period and to just understand that like, look, there's going to be like, I mean, the postpartum period, I have a friend who says postpartum is the rest of your life after you have a child. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You are, you are then postpartum. Um, But it's also like the acute postpartum phase. And, um, and I mean, that can last up to, two years, three years for some people. And I think that to just acknowledge like, okay, there's going to be, but like really super acute, like let's just assume six months to a year, I think is a really healthy assumption to make that like our lives are going to be kind of in chaos and tumult for this time period. And it's temporary and it's part of the journey 
and it will and I can say I mean I'm going into having my second child now so it's 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 I have a different perspective on it than mm-hmm. I did and you know my husband and I are having we're actually doing the, the this 30-day sex challenge we're having tons of sex and and we're kind of joking about it. it's like let's get it all in now because we know <laughs> that there's gonna be this time period and it's and so I think that going into it just kind of knowing like and 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 communicating with your partner, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you're pregnant, like just knowing there's going to be a time period after you give birth where there's not going to be sexual intercourse occurring and that's okay and that's totally normal and your partner needs to know that also. And and yeah. if you go into it with that expectation because I feel like we can really, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot with our expectations yeah. a lot, right? And so if we don't expect that of ourselves, if we don't expect it to be like it was right before the baby was born, after the baby is born, um, and we expect it to everything to get sort of turned on its head and, and for that to be normal, I think it's a lot easier to get through it. Absolutely. And, and not only that, but you can communicate through it and say, God, I miss you. I miss right. what we had. I miss, I didn't realize how free we were. You know, I miss our 30 day sex challenge, you know, and I, which by the way is probably the easiest challenge to get your husband to sign up and the easiest class you'll ever take with your husband. <laughs> well, my husband's been joking. He's like, you're like, like what every man dreams of at this, right now, because right. Just, you're just like, especially, I mean, in pregnancy, I think most women, the hormones are just so ramped oh, up. Yeah. Like you're always ready to go. Right. So right. yeah, you're so, halfway there when they walk in the door. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, no. So, so there, there really is that um, when you can communicate through that too, and just uh, that you're, you're acknowledging for each other what's going on for each other when you go into this postpartum time. Like you said, you know, you got to take one on the, you know, take one for the team. You're gonna have to for a while. And um, I had some wonderful advice uh, that one of my friends told me when she had her second child. So I'd like to share it with you. She goes. It's really great to have the second child as long as you realize you're not going to get anything done. (laughs) So I I impart that and I share that with you because that's also, even though it's really funny, is true. We have expectations and that's what mess with us. And when we have the expectation, like I have to get back into sex with my husband because it's the only way he's really going to fully connect to me. And, you know, what if all these other things happen and you, finds himself attracted to somebody else during this time. And I'm just, you know, this, you know, person, crabby person who she lives, he lives with, who doesn't take a shower. And um, I have to do everything all the time. And when we get out of those, when we can shift those expectations at a really deep level, then you can just be like, no, he's good. We're good. And, but you can, you know, you can be there for each other through, throughout it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you just mentioned something that I think is really important and I'd like to touch on for a minute is this, I think it's a fear that a lot of women have that if I don't put out, he's going to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's such a big societal fear too. I lived in um, Santa Monica for 35 years and I kind of watched it change and Montana happening, which was like a really sleepy town. It would close at 8 p.m. when I was little at to this kind of place with, you know, Pilates and, and med spas, medi spas and organic food and all this sort of stuff. And I have to tell you that um, there was a, and, and because the, the property value shot up, it was like showrunners kind of moved in, right? And all these people from, from 
the entertainment business. And what I felt was this palpable fear with the women mm. that, you know, that they had to, you know, be working out within the sixth week of, you know, after they had the baby and they had to lose the weight because their husband was going to find somebody better, you know, younger. And, you know, I, they were going to get replaced at some point in time. Now, did anybody say that to me? No, but it was a really palpable feeling. Um, and I, and I think that's just sort of what society says, you know, the man's always going to be driven by a sex drive, right? It's going to be driven by sex. If you give it to him, he'll love you. If you don't give it to him, he'll find somebody else to love. And so you've got to be able to, to, um, change that too, you know, and, um, and change that expectation. Cause that just spikes your fear, you know, and, and fear never gets you where you need to go unless you're running out of a burning building, you know? Right. Um, I'm, I'm so curious what, and if any of that dynamic is still present in, um, in a lesbian relationship in postpartum. Well, you know, I was really, I felt really fortunate because, um, first of all, I wasn't always, uh, gay. It didn't happen to me until I was around, you know, somewhere between 29 and 31, like that transition started happening. So I had very successful relationships with men before that and, and wonderful relationships. So, uh, it was kind of a new thing. I didn't really expect that was going to happen with my life. So, um, what I noticed that was different was that at that six weeks mark, when I was in my mommy and me class, all, everybody else was like, oh God, I've got to have sex with my husband. So I got some lingerie and we're going to start that it, with that level of enthusiasm, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have to do this. I have to do this. Whereas um, my wife was like, hey, you're good. You know, she understood what I had been through and, um, so there was no pressure whatsoever. So there was just a lot of nurturing during that time. So I felt very cared for and honored and my boundaries were very much honored in, in that time. And I, but I also believe that, that, um, I mean, there's a difference because I, I was with a woman all right, and I still am with the same woman. But, um, the other part is that relationships are relationships. So like whatever that dynamic right. is, you know, it's like your issue, whatever your issues are, your partner is going to fit that, right. fit that bill. So, um, if you're used to somebody being impatient and, and self-centered, you know, your same sex relationship will, um, you know, have that same sort of dynamic. So I think the healthiness of it too is, is important to note. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I feel as I was, I was hearing you talking about your wife, I feel like, you know, my, my husband was actually very nurturing and very supportive in the postpartum period with our daughter also. And, you know, like I said, like that we did not have a lot of sex in that first year, really postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think he kind of took it on as like a spiritual challenge, you know, and, a um, was it hard for him sometimes? Yes. And I think that there, I think that we can, and it's okay to expect our men to be able to rise to that challenge and to step up to it um, and to not be slaves to their animalistic needs, right? I think, I think that that is actually also, you know, talking about expectations, like that's a really healthy um, thing to invite into a relationship and to, to propose and to, to help our partners to, to rise to as a challenge. 
you know? Absolutely. You know, I think when we cater to somebody's every need, we're just enabling them and enabling that, that um, perspective of I have to be, you know, taken care of in every way, shape or form, you know? And, um, and it's not true. Look at all the ways that, you know, cultures initiate their men, right. To become, you know, they, uh, you know, there's some sort of thing that they have to overcome and come back and prove to themselves that they can do it and come back a new person because of all that they learned. And, you know, there's so much that women go through in, you know, in our bodies just to have this first to get pregnant and then to be pregnant and then to have the baby and then to recover from that. And so there's so much that we're doing that we're rising to the occasion. It's okay if he's got a struggle that he's got to go through to, um, to do this and, and not out of a place of, yeah, you need one too, because I'm going through so much. Just like, it's really all right. We're both going through something, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. And, and I, I think it's important to do that, you know, to know and, that. and to call it out, to call it out, to say oh, that absolutely. to acknowledge it as such, I think really, really helps because, um, because there are those fears and concerns. And I, and I also think it's important to say like, look, if, your partner is going to leave you for someone who's like quote unquote younger and prettier than you. Like there are some fundamental flaws in the foundation of your relationship to begin with. Right. Um, and there's, yeah. And fundamental flaws that, that he has, that that's what, so he needs a what, not a who. Right. So, so, okay. So let him find a what. Exactly. You know? like, like you're worth more than that. absolutely you deserve someone who wants to be with you even when you look like you've been through hell because you have you know it's not about like these bodies are going to change they're going they're going to deteriorate over time we're going to get wrinkles gravity happens things are going to sag things are going to (laughs) shift and and we want to be with people who are going who love us regardless of what is happening with our physical body. Mm-hmm. Right. And you want to keep that connection alive. Yes. And because um, that's, you know, that's important because that intimacy can, you know, that intimacy can be regained. And, you know, when they, when I, I was uh, looking at things about like, you know, when you talk about divorce, you like the half of the divorces cite you know, lack of intimacy and lack of love to be the reason. So this, but yeah, I know it's pretty amazing. So, but if you, if you're conscious about that and not, not like the the divorce part, that, that you still have the intimacy, even if you can't have intercourse, Right. you you bring that, you know, have that sensual time with them. Like, and like you said, if you don't want to be touched, you know, that's okay too, for however long that is. But to bring it back in every way, every other way that you can, that feels right for you and feels right for your partner, and that way you don't grow this this um, this chasm. You know, you you diminish it all the time, and you get closer and closer together. And you're like, you know, it's a bummer we can't have sex right now, but it hurts too much for me, and this is what's going on. And he he can deal with it. And so it's a bummer for both of us, but we're good. You know, we're still close. I love him more than anything. But to communicate it, you know, that's such a key. That's such a key because intimacy doesn't have to mean physical intimacy. There are so many different ways 
that we can be intimate and, and vulnerability is one of them. And I think especially as women um, and, and especially in a heterosexual dynamic, part of, mm-hmm. part of the role that we often play in the bedroom is one of, of being vulnerable and receptive, right? And there's a yep. lot of ways to be vulnerable and receptive that don't necessarily have to involve um, physical intimacy and and can lead to physical intimacy can lead to something that we thought that we were totally closed off to um, right. and and lead us to feeling more open to it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah there's 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 lots of ways to regain that and I think communication is a big way because then you can also figure it out with each other you know and just you know and and you know find the books or find the advice that you need if you can't if you don't have it within each other so yeah it's it's a it's something to navigate but when you do you feel so much um like you've really been through something like i've been with my wife for 18 years and i'm so proud of that i'm yeah. so proud of that and i'm like wow we've been through some stuff man and and times are like man you know like you're looking at each other like what you know, <laughs> what are you doing here? Get out of here, you know? And, and, um, that's our big joke to say to each other, get out of here. You know, like you're a little kid in a, in a, um, in a playground. Um, and, and so, you know, but, but by going through these sort of trials and tribulations and just understanding that this is, you know, a common and a normal, I don't know, normal is the right word, but, but, um, it's something we go through in our life, you know? This is just one of them. Having a child is a big, huge thing, you know, but there's lots of different transitions that we go through and all of those can strengthen the, um, the bond that we have and it grows and it, and it can become even more unconditional and which we really need as we, as we grow older, you know, that becomes a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Karen, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be with us today on the show. This has been a wonderful conversation before we sign off. Is there anything that you really want to make sure that, um, lands deeply for our listeners that we may not have touched on? Well, I want to retouch on something, which is that there is more of, there's more intimacy that's available to you now. And and if you're all right with that, I'd love to give them to give everybody three things that they can do. And I spelled out can like is, and yes, you can have more intimacy than we do now. The C is communication and just being able to let go of, you know, your partner of knowing your partner better than they know themselves. I know we've all felt that, you know, so when you were talking about the vulnerability, being able to say to them, you know what, this is what I'm telling myself right now about our sex life, you know? And so that, they can hear that and they can say, well, this is what I'm telling uh, myself about our sex life right now. And so that you can finally find some common ground to talk about. And then the A would be adventure. It's like start doing things that you used to do when you started dating to bring back those, you know, those feelings. And when you can, when you're ready, you know, you can bring those adventures into the bedroom and, um, you know, talk about your fantasies or different things that you want to do or try different locations for being intimate, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the end is like the not quite yet is, which is really just allow when you're ready to be intimate again, allow that tension to build again while you're, you know, you're fooling around because 
you know, that anticipation is very arousing and it builds for a bigger payoff. That's what we want. And especially when we've been in a relationship um, long enough to have children or even like second children, um, a lot of times it's so easy to go straight into intercourse, right? Because that's like, we've already gone out to dinner and had a movie and we've done that part of our life. Now we just start with this, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would just say that, that, you know, stepping back a little bit and, and being able to uh, really um, rediscover each other that way. And then, you know, and bringing in that vulnerability and that really understanding is, is going to help you regain that intimacy even before you do it physically, you'll get it energetically, you'll get it emotionally and and be able to connect again. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much. We love you tremendously. If you want to know more of what we're up to over at Superpower Experts, come and play with us. Go check us out at superpowerexperts.com. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. And thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been wonderful to speak with you. It's been incredible. Absolutely. My honor and my pleasure. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.